0: It's really good to be with you today. Particularly, it's great to be able to celebrate with these uh, families as they dedicate their children. You know, these parents have made promises to their kids today, all in the context of prayer. Because they know there are things that they want for their children that not even they as parents can provide. Things that only God can do. And you know, all parents have hopes for their children. Some of my hopes for my children are quite simple. I hope that one day they'll learn to get dressed in less than an hour. That would be helpful. I hope that one day we'll be able to get through a meal time without the floor getting covered in pasta. But we have bigger hopes too, of course. And one thing we're praying for these kids being dedicated today is that they will know life to the full. Life to the full. But what does that look like? A few years ago, my wife, Alice, ordered a book from Amazon and a couple of days later, this suspiciously small package came in the post. And She opened it and here's what was inside. You see it? It's this tiny little abridged version of the book. It had the same title as the book she thought she was ordering, but it lacked the depth of the real thing. It wasn't what she thought she'd ordered. And sometimes, I think life can feel like that. That as we look at our lives, sometimes what we experience isn't what we had in mind. For whatever reason. Maybe because of choices that we've made that we regret. Or maybe because of things that have happened that are well outside of our control. I guess we've all experienced this in some way. Maybe that's where you are today. We're at the youth conference New Day last summer. One of the speakers, Pastor Marithi from Mavuno Church in Nairobi, told a story that has stayed with me. He was staying in a B&B in England and he looked out of his window and he saw a BMW driving cautiously around some country lanes. And he said that this, for him, was a great analogy of a wasted life. See, this car, this machine that was built for the German autobahn, built to be able to drive at 80 miles an hour, was going cautiously at 30. And it's just living a fraction of the life that it was made for and missing out on so much of its potential. Oscar Wilde said this, To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist, that is all. So this morning, as Neil said, we're taking a break from our origin series and we're going to look at what the Bible teaches us about life. We're in a passage in John's Gospel. It's John chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, if you could turn to it now, that would be really helpful, John 10. If you don't have a Bible, that is no problem at all. The words will come up on the screen behind me. But we're going to be looking at John 10, verses 1 to 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf come in, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this passage. I thank you that it is rich in its story and colour, rich in what it tells us about who you are. And I ask that just in these next few minutes, Lord, you'd help us to understand what it means when you offer us life to the full. Would you open up this passage for us? Lord, would you show us who Jesus is? And I ask that in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jesus tells this story about shepherds and sheep. And it's worth setting the context a bit for this story. What's happened here is that Jesus has upset some people. Again, in the chapter before, he's upset some people. And this wasn't unusual. See, the things that Jesus said and the things that he did were challenging and were direct and were sometimes very provocative. If your view of Jesus is of a man who was inoffensive and fluffy and nice then it doesn't stand up when you read the Bible. And here, as was often the case, it was the Pharisees, it was the religious elite who Jesus had upset. See, in the previous chapter, Jesus has healed a man who was born blind. And he'd done it on the Sabbath. This was a day of rest for the Jewish people. And the Pharisees didn't like it. And so the Pharisees found this man that Jesus had healed and they questioned him about it. And he told them what Jesus had done. And when he didn't back down, the Pharisees hurled insults at him. And they threw him out of the temple. And Jesus then tells this story about shepherds and sheep. And for us in High Wycombe, in 2017, I think all this shepherd and sheep stuff can be a bit difficult to picture. Perhaps our only interaction with shepherds is when we see a kid with a tea towel on his head at the school nativity. But make no mistake, this is no cosy picture that Jesus is painting. As Jesus told this story, the Pharisees would have pictured the Middle Eastern desert. This is a harsh, cruel landscape. The food and water would be scarce there. And there were wild animals about looking to pick off the sheep. And the role of the shepherd in that environment was one of risk and danger see, at night the shepherd would lead his sheep into an enclosure made of stone walls and there'd be thorny branches on the stone walls and they were there to keep out the wild animals and bandits who wanted to get in and steal the sheep. And what would the shepherd would do is he'd often lie down himself in the entrance to the sheep pen so that if anyone or anything wanted to come in and attack the sheep they'd have to deal with the shepherd first. And see, the Pharisees understood that picture but they didn't know what it had to do with them. And if we're not careful, we can miss it too. So we're going to look at three things today that this passage teaches us about what life to the full really looks like. And the first is this, that a full life is a rescued life. If you go into any bookshop, you head for the self-help section, you'll find tens of books that promise to give you the life that you're looking for. Here's some titles that I've seen this week in preparing for this talk. First one, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. You Can Heal Your Life. And thirdly, this is my favourite. You Are a Badass. How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. It's a real book. Now, I'm not criticising these books. I haven't read any of these books. You might have read them, and there might be some real wisdom in these books. My question is whether they get to the root of the problem. See, here's my point. The landscape, the environment for us in High Wycombe in 2017 is every bit as treacherous as the Middle Eastern desert. The risks may be different and more subtle, but they are there and they're very real. See, people go after all kinds of different things in the pursuit of life to the full only to find that many of these things don't deliver. We've all seen this and it's tragic. I've got friends who put everything into going after the better house, the better car, the better lifestyle for their family, only to end up working so much that they never see their life and kids. And it just leaves them empty. There are people who have the idea of this perfect relationship, so they go from partner to partner to partner, leaving behind them a trail of brokenness and hurt. People go after things like success and money and fame, thinking if I just had that one thing, then I'd be happy, then I'd find life. Well, listen to this quote from Jim Carrey, the actor, multi millionaire. He once said this I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's not the answer. These things that promise life end up leaving us empty. There's an old saying that goes, people may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success, only to find, once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. See, we can put too much emphasis on things that are in themselves, perhaps good things, things like friendships and work and our family, but pin all our hopes on them and they won't deliver. Because they were never meant to. We make idols of these things. The Christian author Tim Keller says an idol is usually a good thing that we make an ultimate thing. See the risks for us may be subtle but they're real. Things that promise life end up leaving us empty. But what the parents who are having their children dedicated this morning have recognised is that life isn't found in stuff but life is found in the person of Jesus. Verse 9 of that passage I read earlier, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. What is he saying here? Well, he's saying the same thing he goes on to say four chapters later in John's gospel, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying he is the way to life. He's the doorway. He's the gate. It's only through him that you'll find life to the full. He says, trust me to be the only path to God, the only, tr- only path to life, and I promise that you'll be rescued. See, this isn't self-help. Because the point is, we can't help ourselves. We all need to be rescued. Rescued from the thoughts that we've had that are wrong, the things that we've done that have hurt other people, the things that we've said that have caused great offence to others and offended God. We need to be rescued from our sin, rescued from ourselves, rescued from eternal separation from God because of our sin. God comes to rescue us. And until we realise that problem, until we understand our situation, we won't understand what God has done for us. See, this isn't some kid's sheep story that Jesus is telling. This is huge. This is the real thing. Now in describing himself as the gate and in describing himself as the shepherd, Jesus is saying nothing less than that he is God. That's what he's saying here. And it's why when the Pharisees do understand what's going on here, they're deeply offended by it. Because the Pharisees understood the scriptures. They knew what Jesus was saying. They'd read the Old Testament. They knew Ezekiel 34 verse 11 says this, This is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for the sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, I will look after my sheep. I'll rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. See, in Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd, he's fulfilling all these Old Testament scriptures that point to God being the shepherd of his sheep. He is saying that he is God. And that this life to the full isn't just for a small group of people, but it's for all who put their trust and faith in Jesus. He personally will rescue his people. A full life is a rescued life. See, Jesus can never just be a bolt-on to our lives. He is the doorway to life. He is the gateway to life to the full. Life to the full begins and ends with recognising, with seeing who Jesus is. Question, do you see who Jesus is? See, the great irony is that these Pharisees, these men who studied the scripture, couldn't see it, but that the man who was born blind could He saw who Jesus was. And this man who was born blind, who was thrown out of the temple by the Pharisees, Jesus pulls him in and says, no, this man too belongs to me. He's one of mine. I love him. See, Jesus came for rescue. He came to rescue that man. And he comes to rescue today for all those who put their trust and faith in him. See, a full life is a rescued life. Secondly, a full life is a guided life. On the 14th of May last year, a woman, a young woman was driving her car in the south of Ontario in Canada. It was dark and it was foggy, and she didn't know the area very well at all, but she did have her trusty sat nav. Which was all well and good until the sat nav led her down a boat launch and into a lake. Now, before you worry, she was all right. If a little bit embarrassed about what had happened. But the point is this we all put our trust in different voices, and not all of these voices do us good. See, Jesus mentions two voices in his story he mentions the voice of the shepherd, and he mentions the voice of the thief. And what he's doing is he's calling out these religious leaders and saying they are like thieves, they don't own the sheep. They don't have the sheep's best interests at heart. They shouldn't even be in this position of leadership over the sheep because they're not caring for the sheep. And Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I want to tell you this. The thief is still at work today. Do you know we have an enemy, the devil, who loves to rob God's people of the truth about who he is and who they are. It's true. The thief is still at work and he'll speak to us. And you know the everyday life, the everyday battle for life to the full is fought in your mind. It's in choosing which of those voices to accept and which of those voices to dismiss. Because we've all heard the voice of a thief, I guess. We've all heard it, right? It's the voice that says, you're not good enough. That says, that thing you did those years ago, that writes you off. That dismisses you. How could God love you knowing what you've done? It's the voice that says, actually, you can't be real with people because if they knew everything about you, wow, what would they think of you then? It's the voice that locks you in comparison with others. That says to you, you're not as good as that girl. You're not as good as that woman. You're not as good as that man. It's the voice that focuses on all the negatives and stops you from seeing God as he really is. And the voice of the thief robs you of joy and friendship and adventure and life and instead brings loneliness and cynicism and fear and death. The everyday battle for life to the full is fought in your mind. I see this with our young people in the church at conferences when we go to New Day in the summer. They look so full of life. And they're, they're worshiping, and they're surrounded by truth, and they're constantly being told who they are and how good this God is. And they look so alive, so full of joy. And then sometimes the tragic thing is that when they come back to their everyday life and back to school, they look a shadow of how they looked at New Day. And that's not just because they don't like maths. It's because they're no longer surrounded by that truth. They're being robbed. They're being robbed of the life that God wants to give them. So what is the solution to this? Well, the way to discern the voice of the thief is to learn the voice of the shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You know, we live in a culture today where kids go home from school and spend the whole evening on social media. Where they wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is put on their phones to see how many likes they've got on Instagram. To see who's contacted them on Snapchat. There's so many voices coming at people today. How can you learn the voice of the good shepherd in that context? Parents, we have a responsibility to teach our children what the voice of a shepherd sounds like. See, the Middle Eastern shepherd was known for communicating with his sheep. He would talk to them. He'd sing to them. Often he'd have a small flute and he'd play a repeated simple tune so that his sheep would get to know it and would recognise it and would have a consistent cue to follow. And his sheep would become so familiar with that sound that when anyone else called, the sheep wouldn't move. They might raise a little sheep ear, but they're not moving anywhere. Sometimes I think when we hear the voice of the thief, it can be like we go bounding after that voice. Well, that's not, the, that's not the, the actions of a well-trained sheep. That's more like an excited, confused puppy. We must teach, we must know the voice of the shepherd. So what does the voice of God sound like? Well, it's consistent. It's faithful. It doesn't change. What God has shown you once of who he is and what he thinks about you, that is still true today, no matter the circumstance of your life. His is the voice of love and grace and acceptance. It's the voice that says, You're mine and I love you. It can be a voice of challenge that says, Actually, there are things in your life that need to change, but if you'll allow me to, I'll help you to change them. It's the voice of encouragement in the truest sense of the word, the voice that gives you courage, the voice that says, You can do this. I'm right there with you, I've got your back. That's the voice of the good shepherd. It's always loving. It's always good. It's always kind. It's always with your best interests at heart. Have you heard it recently, that voice? Because as John Wesley puts it, sheep are prone to wander. We get distracted. So I want to ask, how much value are you placing on hearing the voice of God? Do you set aside time to let him speak to you? Are you slowing down to listen to his voice? Is your life ordered in that way right now that you'll let him speak and then you'll follow? One of the most famous shepherds in the Bible was David. He was a a young man who knew what what shepherding was all about. He fought off wild animals in protecting his sheep as a shepherd boy. But he also knew what it meant to trust and to follow God. God called David a man after his own heart. Here's what David says in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David writes, the darkest valley. You know, when we're praying for life to the full, we're not talking necessarily about a bed of roses. We're not asking for an easy life, a comfortable life, but a guided life. Because sometimes, of course, we know there are are tough things that we have to get through. Cruel terrain that we have to cross. But notice in verse 3 of that passage that I read, the shepherd leads the sheep. This is not about driving or herding. He leads and the sheep follow. And that requires trust. Why do the the sheep trust the shepherd? Well, it's because he demonstrates his trustworthiness. Why can we trust Jesus? Jesus. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, For God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, at the cross, the good shepherd, God himself, becomes the Lamb of God. He gives his life. He takes the punishment that we deserve. He dies so that we can know life to the full. And now, having demonstrated his love to us, he calls us to follow him. What do we want for these children being dedicated today? Surely it's that they know what Jesus has done for them. And that in response, they joyfully give their lives to follow him. See, a full life is a life of trust guided by the shepherd. And thirdly, a full life is a life of intimacy. I wonder, how do you find the idea of being a sheep sheep? For me, parts of the analogy are quite appealing, but there's other parts that are less appealing. Like, Aren't sheep a bit sort of samey? If you've seen one sheep, surely you've seen them all. So does following Jesus just mean kind of throwing away your individuality, your identity, just becoming part of that crowd? Well, the truth is, if you think like that, you're misunderstanding how the shepherd knew his sheep. The author, H.R.P. Dixon, spent some time in the deserts of Kuwait. And what he noticed was the amazing knowledge that shepherds had of their sheep. And an incident one night particularly impressed him. Shortly after dark, the shepherd began calling out one by one the names of all 51 of his mother's sheep. And what was remarkable was that just by the sounds, he was able to pick out each sheep's lamb and restore it to its mother so it could feed. Now bear in mind, this is done in, in pitch darkness. And in the, with, surrounded by the sound of these ewes calling out for their lambs and the lambs crying out for their mothers. See, a good shepherd knew his sheep individually. Sometimes apparently a shepherd would give his sheep pet names based on their character or based on things that they'd been through, incidents that they'd been involved in. Well, Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. You know, this isn't some intellectual knowledge. This is a deep personal understanding of who they are and what they need. Just look at the early followers of Jesus, the disciples mentioned in the Bible. They were all very different. And Peter was impulsive and outspoken. And Jesus knew what he needed. Sometimes that was rebuke. Often it was forgiveness and encouragement. James and John, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Imagine what they were like. Jesus knew they needed to be challenged and channeled. And then there was Thomas. Thomas was hesitant sometimes, a bit prone to doubt. Jesus knew that what Thomas needed was to see the risen Lord Jesus for himself and to be able to place his hands where the holes were in Jesus' arms, where the nails had gone through. And Jesus ministered to each of these out of love because he knew them. And Jesus knows you. He knows your name. He knows your nature. He knows your needs. He knows everything you've been through. He knows those part of your character that no one else knows and that you'd never tell anyone else. He knows the things that you've been through. He knows exactly what you need at any time and he'll minister to you out of love. And it might be that the way he treats you at any time might be different to the person next to you because he knows what you need. He loves you. He knows his sheep. See, a full life is a life of intimacy he rescues you for an intimate relationship with him and this is what we were made for we were made for intimacy with God what did Adam have in the garden before sin came into the world he, he walked with the Lord he knew intimacy with God what was lost at the fall it was intimacy Adam hid from the Lord we've been hiding ever since What is the picture that Jesus uses in the book of Revelation to describe how he feels about his church? He talks about it like the bridegroom and the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. What picture could be more intimate than that? And Jesus says that he himself will wipe away every tear from their eye. This is a God who wants intimacy with you. What did Jesus experience on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? See, Jesus experienced distance from God so that you could know intimacy with him. That's the life that he won for you on the cross a life of intimacy. And do you know, there's so much more that we could say about what life to the full is about it's about community. It's about freedom, it's about joy. There's actually a surprising amount that sheep can teach us about what life to the full is really about. But first and foremost, it's about these things that knowing that your life has been rescued by God, of hearing his voice, listening to his voice, following him, and knowing this intimate walk with him. I want to end with a story that the Christian writer John Ortberg tells about a woman he knew, a true story. This woman he knew who was dying from cancer. He visited her in hospital and he writes this. She was strapped up in a wheelchair and her face was an absolute horror. The empty stare and white pupils of her eyes told me that she was blind. The large hearing aid over one ear told me she was almost deaf. One side of her face was being eaten by the cancer. There was a discoloured and running sore covering one part of her cheek and it had pushed her nose to one side, dropped one eye and distorted her jaw so that what should have been the corner of her mouth was the bottom of her mouth. As a consequence, I was told later that when new nurses arrived, the supervisors would send them to feed this woman, thinking that if they could stand this sight, they could stand anything in the building. And she'd been here bedridden, blind, nearly deaf, and alone for 25 years. This was Mabel. Now John Altberg writes about the times he visited Mabel and how it became clear that despite her situation, here was a woman who had a peace, who had a deep strength, who had a joy about her that was almost unique. And one time he asked her, Mabel, what do you think about when you lie here? Here's what she said. I think about my Jesus. I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those kind who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folk wouldn't care too much what I think, but I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. Do you know, by almost every definition, this woman had missed out on life to the full. I wonder how many people would have walked past this woman and seen her and pitied her. And yet, Mabel knew a secret that few find, and it's this, that life to the full isn't about a life full of stuff. It's about a life full of Jesus. A life full of Jesus. That's what we want for these children being dedicated today. How about you? Is that what you want for your own life? Is that what you're experiencing right now? Have you recognized Jesus as the Good Shepherd? Do you see who he is? Have you been rescued by him? Are you listening to his voice? Have you ever heard his voice? Are you following him? And are you knowing this life of intimacy with him? So Jesus invites you today to know him and through him to experience life to the full. Don't settle for anything less. Thank you.